Good morning. I'm here, here with the uh, President of the United States, beginning with ceremonial roles. The President feels many ceremonial duties. William Howard Taft started the tradition of throwing out the ceremony first pitch in 1910 at Griffith Stadium, Washington, D.C. on the Washington Center's opening day. Every President since Taft, since, except for Jimmy Carter, threw out at least one ceremonial first ball or pitch for opening day. The All-Star Game, or the World Series, usually with much fanfare. Every president since Theodore Roosevelt has served as Honorary President of the Boy Scouts of America. Other presidential traditions associated with American holidays. Ruth Bruhez began in 1878, the first White House egg rolling for local children, beginning in 1947 during the Harry S. Truman administration. Every Thanksgiving, the presidents are presented with a live domestic turkey during the annual National Thanksgiving Turkey Presidential held at the White House since since 1989, when the custom of pardoning the turkey was formalized by George H.W. Bush, the turkey has been taken to a farm where it will live out the rest of its natural life. Presidential traditions also involve the president's role as head of government. Many outgoing presidents since James Buchanan traditionally gave give advice to their succeeding successors during the presidential transition. Ronald Reagan and his successor have also left a private message on the death of the Oval Office. Oval Office on Inauguration Day for the incoming president. During a state visit by a foreign head of state, the president typically hosts a state arrival ceremony held on the South Lawn. A custom was begun by John F. Kennedy in 1961. This is followed by a state dinner given by the president, which is held in the state dining room later in the evening. The modern president holds the president as one of the nation's premier celebrities. Some argue that images of the presidency have the tendency to be manipulated by administration, public relations officials, as well as by presidents themselves. One cri critic described the presidency as propagandized leadership, which has a mesmerized power surrounding the office. Administration public relations managers staged carefully crafted photo ops of smiling presidents with smiling crowds for television cameras. One critic wrote, the image of John F. Kennedy was described as carefully framed in rich detail, which drew on the power of myth regarding the incident of PT-109 and wrote that Kennedy understood how to use images to further his presidential ambitions. As a result, some political commentators have opined that American voters have unrealistic expectations of presidents. Voters expect the president to drive the economy, vanquish academies, lead the free world Comfort tornado victims, heal the nation's soul, and protect borrowers from hidden cre credit card fees. Critics of President's Evolution The nation's founding fathers expected the Congress, which was the first branch of government described in the Constitution, to be the dominant branch of government. They did not expect a strong executive department. However, presidential power has shifted over time, which has resulted in claims that the modern president has become too powerful, unchecked, unbalanced and monarchist. In nature, President <coughs> Dana D. Nelson believes presidents over the past 30 years have worked towards undivided presidential control of the executive branch and its agencies. She criticized proponents of the unitary executive for expanding the many existing uncheckable executive powers such as executive orders, decrees, memorandums, proclamations, national security directives, and legislative signing statements that already allow presidents to enact a good deal of foreign and domestic policy without aid, interference, or consent from Congress. 
Bill Wilson, board member of Americans for Limited Government, opined that the expanded presidency was the greatest threat ever to individual freedom and dem democratic rule. Selection process, eligibility. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5 of the Constitution sets three qualifications for holding the president to serve as president. One must be a natural-born citizen of the United States, be at least 35 years old, be a resident of the United States for at least 14 years. A person who meets the above qualifications would, however, still be disqualified from holding the office of president under any of the following conditions. On the 22nd Amendment, no person can be elected president more than twice. The amendment also specifies that if any eligible president serves as president or acting president for more than two years of a term for which some other eligible person was elected president, the former can be elected president only once. Under Article 1, Section 3, Clause 7, upon conviction in impeaching cases, the Senate has the option of disqualifying convicted individuals from withholding federal office, including that of the president. Under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, no person who swore to an oath to support the Constitution and later rebelled against the United States can become president. However, this qualification can be listed by a two-thirds vote of each Congress. Campaigns and nominations. The modern presidential campaign begins with before the primary elections, which the two major political parties used to clear the field of candidates before their national nomination nominating conventions, where the most successful candidate is made the party's a presidential nominee. Typically, the party's presidential candidate chooses the vice presidential nominee, and this choice is rubber-stamped by the convention. The most common previous professional of presidents is lawyer. Nominees participate in nationally televised debates, and while the debates are usually restricted to the Democratic-Republican Nominees, third-party candidates may be invited, such as Ross Perot, in the 1992 debates. Nominees campaign across the country to explain their views, convince voters, and solicit contributions. Much of the modern electoral process is concerned with winning swing states through frequent visits and mass media advertising drives. Election. The president is elected indirectly by the voters of each state of the District of Columbia and the District of Columbia throughout their electoral college. A body of electors formed every four years for the sole purpose of electing the president and vice president to concurrent four-year terms. As prescribed by Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, each state is entitled to a number of electors equal to the size of its total delegation in both the Houses of Congress. Additionally, the 23rd Amendment provides the District of Columbia is entitled to the number it would have if it were a state, but in no case more than that of the least populous state. Currently, all states and the District of Columbia select their electors based on a, pop <coughs> on a popular election. In all but two states, a party whose presidential vice president ticket receives a plurality of popular votes in the state has its entire slate of elector nominees chosen as a state's electors. Maine and Nebraska deviate from this winner-take-all practice according to two electors in the statewide winner and one to the winner in each congressional district. On the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December, about six weeks after the election, the electors convene in their respective state candidates and in Washington, D.C. to vote for president on a separate ballot. For vice president, they typically vote for the candidates of the party that nominate them while there is no constitutional mandate or federal law requiring them to do so. The District of Columbia and 32 states have laws requiring that their electors vote for the candidates to whom they are pledged. Constitutionality of these laws was upheld in 
Chiafella versus Washington 2020. Following the vote, each state then sends a certified record of their electoral votes to Congress. The votes of the elected are opened and counted during a joint session of Congress held in the first week of January. If a candidate has received an absolute majority of electoral votes for president, currently 270 of 538, that person is declared the winner. However, otherwise, the House of Representatives must meet to elect the president using a contingent election procedure in which representatives voting by state delegation with each state cast a single vote, choose between the top three electoral votes, vote getters for president. For a candidate to win, he or she must receive the votes of the absolute majority of states, currently 26 of 50. <coughs> there have been two county presidential in the nation's history. A 73-7 electoral vote tied between Thomas Jefferson and fellow Democratic Republican Aaron Burr in the election of 1800 the first, Conducted under the original procedure established by Article 2, Section 1, Clause 3 of the Constitution, which says that if two or three persons received a majority vote and an equal vote, the House of Representatives would choose one of them for president. The runner-up would become vice president. On February 17, 1801, Jefferson was elected president on the 36th ballot and Burr elected vice president. Afterward, the system was overhauled through the 12th Amendment in time to be used in the 1804 election. A quarter century later, the choice for president again devolved to the House when no candidate won an absolute majority of electoral votes, 131 of 261, in the election of 1824. Under the 12th Amendment, the House was required to choose a president from among the top three electoral votes recipients. Andrew Jackson, John Quincy Adams, William H. Crawford held February 9, 1825. This second and most recent contingent election resulted in John Quincy Adams being elected to president on the first ballot. Tenure. Inauguration. Pursuant to the 20th Amendment, the fourth year term of office for both president and the vice president begins at noon on January 20th. The first presidential and vice presidential terms to begin on this date known as inauguration date with the second terms of President Franklin D. Roosevelt and Vice President John Nance Garner in 1937. <coughs> Previously, Inauguration Day was on March 4th. As a result, the date changed the first the date changed the first term, 1933, to of both men had been shortened by 43 days. Before executing the, executing the powers of the office, a president is required to recite the presidential oath of office found in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 8 of the Constitution. This is the only component in the inauguration ceremony mandated by the Constitution. I do solemnly swear, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to my best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Presidents have traditionally placed one hand upon the Bible while taking the oath and have added, so help me God, to the end of the oath. Although the oath may be administered by any person authorized by law to administer oath, presidents are sworn in by the Chief Justice of the United States. Term Limit When the first president, George Washington, announced in his farewell address that he was not running for a third term, he established a two-term thin-out precedent. President became tradition after Thomas Jefferson publicly embraced the principle a decade later during his second term, as did his two 
immediate success of James Madison and James Monroe. In spite of the strong two-term tradition, Ulysses S. Grant sought a non-consecutive third term in 1880, as did Theodore Roosevelt in 1912. There would have been only a second full term. Both were unsuccessful. President Franklin D. Roosevelt won a record four presidential elections 1932, 1936, 1940, and 1944. <coughs> in 1940, after leading the nation through the Great Depression, Franklin Roosevelt was elected to a third in response to the unprecedented length of Roosevelt's presidency, the 22nd Amendment was adopted in 1951. The amendment barred anyone from being pre elected president more than twice or once if that president served more than two years, 24 months of another pre president's four-year term. Harry S. Truman, president when his term then became into force, was exempted from its limitations and briefly sought a second full term to which he would have otherwise been ineligible for election had he been president for more than two years of Roosevelt's fourth term before he withdrew from the 1952 election. Since the amendment's adoption, five presidents served two full terms, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama. Both Jimmy Carter and George H. W. Bush sought a second term but were defeated. Richard Nixon was elected to a second term but resigned before completing it. Lyndon B. Johnson, having held the presidency for one full term, in addition to only 14 months of John F. Kennedy's unexpired term, <coughs> was eligible for a second full term in 1968, but he withdrew from the Democratic primary. In addition, Gerald Ford, who served out the last two years of five months of Nixon's second term, sought a full term, but was defeated by Jimmy Carter in 1976 election. After the presidency, until 1958, former presidents had no governmental aid to maintain themselves. Gradually, a small pension was, was increased, but with the public disaffection with Presidents Johnson and Nixon, some began to question the propriety and the amounts involved. Some ex-presidents were very active, especially in internal, international affairs, most notably Theodore Roosevelt, Herbert Hoover, Richard Nixon, and Jimmy Carter. Impeachment. Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution allows for the removal of high federal officials, including the president from office, for treasury, robbery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Article 1, Section 2, Clause 5 authorizes the House of Representatives to serve as a grand jury with the power to impeach said officials by majority vote. Article 1, Section 3, Clause 6 authorizes the Senate to serve as court with the power to remove impeached officials from office by a two-thirds vote to convict. Three presidents have been impeached by the House of Representatives, Andrew Johnson in 1868, Bill Clinton in 1998, and Donald Trump in 2019. All three were acquitted by the Senate, addition to the House Jury Judici Judiciary Committee conducted an impeachment against Richard Nixon in 1973-74. However, he resigned from the office before the full House voted on the Articles of Impeachment. Succession and Disability Vacancies and successions in the office of president may arise under several possible circumstances. Death, resignation, or removal from office. Deaths have occurred a number of times. Resignation has occurred only once. And removal from office has never occurred. The Constitution in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6 stipulates that the vice president take over the powers and duties 
of the president in the event of a president's removal, death, resignation, or inability. Even so, it is not clear. It does not clearly state whether the vice president would become president of the United States or simply act as president in the case of succession. This ambiguity was alluded in 1967 by Section 1 of the 25th Amendment, which unequivocally states that the vice president becomes president upon the removal of the office, death, or resignation of the, resignation of the president. Under Section 3 of the 25th Amendment, the president may transfer the presidential powers and duties to the vice president, who then becomes acting president by transmitting a statement to the Speaker of the House <coughs> and the President Pro Tempor of the Senate stating the reasons for the transfer. The President resumes the discharge of the President's powers and duties upon transmitting to those two of his a written declaration stating that resumption, such a transfer of power has occurred on three occasions, Ronald Reagan to George H.W. Bush, once on July 13, 1985, and George W. Bush to Dick Cheney twice on July 29, 2002, and on July 21, 2007. Under Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, the Vice President, in conjunction with the majority of the Cabinet, may transfer the presidential powers and duties from the President to the Vice President by transmitting a written declaration to the Speaker of the House and the President Pro Tempore of the Senate that the President is incapacitated, unable to discharge their presidential powers and duties. If this occurs, then the vice president will assume the presidential powers and duties as acting president. However, the president can declare that no such inability exists and resume the discharge of the presidential powers and duties. If the vice president and cabinet contest this claim, it is up to Congress, which must meet within two days, if not already in session, to decide the merit of the claim. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6 also authorizes Congress to declare who shall become acting president in the case of in the case of removal of death, resignation, or inability, both of president and vice president. The Presidential Section Act of nineteen forty seven, codified as three USC nineteen, provides that both president and vice president have left office or are both otherwise unavailable to serve during their sec terms of office. The presidential line of session follows the order. Speaker of the House, then of this side, the president pro temp of the Senate of the Senate, and then, if necessary, the eligible heads of federal executive departments who form the President's Cabinet. The Cabinet currently has 15 members, of which the Secretary of the State first is, in, is first in line. Other Cabinet Secretaries follow in the order in which their department or the department of the third department is the successor with credit. Those department heads who are constitutionally ineligible to be elected to the president are also disqualified from assuming the powers and duties of the president through succession. No statutory success has yet been called upon to act as president. Political affiliation. Political parties have dominated American politics for most of the nation's history. Though the founding fathers generally supported political parties as divisive and disruptive, and their rights had not been anticipated when the U.S. Constitution was drafted in 1787. Organized political parties developed in the U.S. in the mid-1790s. Nonetheless, they evolved from political factions, which began to appear most immediately after the federal government came into existence. Those who supported the Washington administration were referred to as pro-administration and would eventually form the Federalist Party, while those in opposition joined the emerging non-democratic Republican Party. Greatly concerned about the very real capacity of political parties to destroy their fragile unity holding the nation together, Washington remained unaffiliated with any political faction or party throughout his eight-year president. He was and remains the only president never to affiliate with a political party. 
since Washington, every U.S. president has been affiliated with a political party at the time of assuming office. The number of presidents per political party at the time of entry into office are Republican 19, Chester A. Arthur, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, Calvin Coolidge, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Joe Ford, James A. Garfield, Ulysses S. Grant, Warren G. Hardy, Benjamin Harrison, Rutherford B. Hayes, Herbert Hoover, Abraham Lincoln, William McKinley, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Theodore Roosevelt, William Tyler Taft, and Donald Trump. Democratic 14, James Buchanan, Jimmy Carter, Grover, Cleveland, Bill Clinton, Andrew Jackson, Linda B. Johnson, John F. Kennedy, Barack Obama, Franklin Pierce, James K. Polk, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Harry S. Truman, Martin Van Buren, and Woodrow Wilson. Democratic Republican 4, John Quincy Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James and James Monroe. <coughs> Wig 4, Miller Fillmore, William Henry Harrison, Zachary Taylor, and John Tyler. Federalist 1, John Adams. National Union 1, Andrew Johnson. None 1, George Washington. The following geographical timeline depicts the front. Oh. Since 2001, the President's annual standing has been 400000 along with the 50000 expense allowance, 100000 non-taxable travel account, and 19000 entertainment account. The president's salary is set by Congress and under Article 2, Section 1, Clause 7 of the Constitution. Any increase or reduction in the president cannot take effect before the next presidential term of office. Residence. The White House in Washington, D.C. is the official residence of the president. The site was selected by George Washington and the cornerstone was laid in 1792. Every president since John Adams in 1800 has lived there. At various times in U.S. history, it has been known as the President's Palace, the President's House, then the Executive Mansion. Theodore Roosevelt officially gave the White House its current name in 1901. Facilities that are available to the President include access to the White House staff, medical care, recreation, housekeeping, and security service. The federal government pays for state dinners and other uh, official functions, but the President pays for personal family and guests, dry cleaning, and food. Camp David officially titled Naval Support Facility Thermont a mountain-based military camp. In Frederick County, Maryland, is a president country residence, a place of solitude and tranquility. The site has been used extensively to host foreign dignitaries since the 1940s. President's guest house loaded desk to the Eisenhower Executive Office building at the White House Complex and Lafayette Park serves as the president's official guest house and as a secondary residence for the president if needed. For interconnected 19th century houses, Blair House, Lee House, and 700 and several, 774 Jackson Place with a combined floor space exceeds 70,000 square feet, 60,500 meters comprise the property. Travel. The primary means of long distance air travel for the present is one of two identical Boeing VC 25 aircraft, which are extensively modified. Boeing 747 airliners are referred to as Air Force One. While the president is on board, although only any U.S. force aircraft with the president's board is designated as Air Force One for the duration of the flight. In-country trips are typically handled with just one of the two planes, while overseas trips are handled with both. One primary and one backup, the president also has access to smaller Air Force aircraft, most notably the Boeing C-32, which are used when the president must travel to airports that cannot support a jumbo jet. In civilian aircraft, the president is aboard is designated 
executive one for the flight. For short-distance air travel, the president has access to a fleet of U.S. Marine Corps helicopters of vary, varying models, designated Marine One, when the president is aboard any particular one in the fleet. Flights are typically handled with as many as five helicopters all flying together in frequent swapping positions as to disguise the helicopter the president is actually aboard to any would-be threats. For ground travel, the president uses the presidential state car, which is an armored limousine designed to look like a Cadillac sedan but built on a truck chassis. The U.S. Security Service operates and maintains the fleet of several limousines. The president also has access to two armored motor coaches, which are primarily used for touring trips. Protection. The U.S. Secret Service is charged with protecting the president of the, and the first family as part of their protection. The president's first lady is their children and other immediate family members and other prominent persons and location are assigned. Secret Service code names. The use of such names was originally for security purposes and dates to a time when sensitive electronic communication were not routinely encrypted today. The name simply serves for purposes of brevity, clarity, and tradition. Post-presidency. Under the former President's Act, a, a, all living former presidents are granted a pension and office and a staff. The pension has increased numerous times with congressional approval. Retired presidents now receive a pension based on the salary of the current administration's cabinet secretaries, which was 199700 each year in 2012. Former presidents who serve as Congress may also collect congressional pensions. The Act also provides former presidents with travel funds and franking privileges prior to 1997. All former presidents, their spouses, and their children until age 16 were protected by the Secret Service until the president's death. In 1997, Congress passed legislation limiting Secret Service protection to no more than 10 years from the date a president leaves office. On January 10, 2013, President Obama signed legislation reinstating lifetime Secret Service protection for him, George W. Bush, and also Secret Presidents. A spouse who remarries is no longer eligible for Secret Service protection. Some former presidents have had significant careers after leaving office. Prominent examples include William Howard Taft's tenure as Chief Justice of the United States and Hubert Hoover's Hoover's work on government rigor after World War II. Grover Cleveland, whose bid for re-election failed in 1888, was re-elected president again four years later in 1892. Two former presidents served in Congress after leaving the White House. John Quincy Adams was elected to the House of Representatives, serving there for 17 years, and Andrew Johnson to the Senate in 1872, though he died soon after. Presidents must use their predecessor as emissaries to deliver private messages to other nations as official representatives of the United States. <coughs> to state funerals and other important foreign events. Richard Nixon made multiple foreign trips to countries including China and Russia and was lauded as an elder statesman. Jimmy Carter had become a global human rights campaigner, international arbiter, and election monitor, as well as a recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. Bill Clinton has also worked as an informed ambassador, most notably recently in the negotiations that led to the release of two American journalists, Laura Ling and Ina Yuna Lee from North Korea. Clinton has also been active politically since his presidential term ended, working with his wife Hillary on her 2008 and 2016 presidential bids and President Obama on his 2012 re-election campaign. As of July 20th, 2020, there are four living former presidents. The most recent former president to die was George H. W. Bush, 1989-1993, on November 30, 2018. The living former president in order of service are Jimmy Carter, 1977-1981, age 95, Bill Clinton, 1993-2001, 
2001, age 73. George W. Bush, 2001 to 2009, age 74. Barack Obama, 2009 to 2017, age 58. Presidential libraries. Every president since Hubert Hoover has created a repository known as a president library for surveying and make available his papers, records, and other documents and materials. Complete libraries are deeded to and maintained by the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA. The initial funding for building and equipping each time must come from private, non-federal sources. These are currently 13, there are currently 13 presidential libraries in the NARA system. There are also presidential maintained by state governments and private foundations and universities higher educated, such as... <coughs> such as the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum, which is run by the state. Illinois, the George W. Bush Presidential Library and Museum, which is run by Southern Methodist University, the George H. W. Bush Presidential Library and Museum, which is run by Texas A&M University, which is, and the London Baines Johnson Presidential Library and Museum, which is run by the University of Texas at Austin. A number of presidents have lived for years after leaving office, and several of them have personally overseen the building of their own, and opening their own presidential libraries. Some have even made arrangements for their own burial at the site. Several presidential libraries contain the graves of the president. They document, including the White D.I. is now a presidential library, museum, of, and boyhood home in Abilene, Kansas, Richard Nixon Presidential Library and Museum in Yorba Linda, California, and the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California. These graves are open to the general public.